Well, good morning, everyone. And um, I'd love to give you a very warm welcome. And especially if you're a visitor, perhaps it's your first time or you're not regularly here. And it's lovely to have you here. And I know that people will be looking forward to speaking to you uh, afterwards if they've not done so already. So, big welcome. And if you're joining us online, uh, it's great to have you with us too. Just a few uh, notices before we begin. Um, the Hope Explored course is hoping to start on a week Tuesday. So there's still time to, if there's contacts and friends that you have who, you would, find, who would find that useful, um, get them signed up for that with uh, Martin or Jane. Um, and the, the men's Bible study groups start again this year. And I know those of us who were part of them last year found them so helpful. Great times together. So if, you, if you're in one of those groups, do come along. If you're not and would like to, do sign up with either John Cowley or Martin Hook. And um, then on Thursday, we have a mission-focused prayer meeting. So uh, different opportunities arise throughout the weeks. And uh, where possible, be there, be encouraged, be built up in your faith. But more importantly, even, be a blessing and encouragement to others. So lots, lots, lots of different things going on. Well, recently, we've been going through... Uh, the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible. And we've seen God's great power in delivering his people out of the slavery of Egypt. And we meet on the Lord's Day. And it's a time when we remember that Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God, bringing a great deliverance from us, for us from being slaves to sin, bringing us hope and life. So we have great reasons to worship the living God this morning. And uh, our first song will help us do that as we sing, O God, beyond all praising, we worship you today. Let's stand and sing. Let's pray. 
Lord God, our Heavenly Father, help us as we come before you now to pray. We come as creatures, as people who live here for such a short time. We are frail in our best and strongest days. We are here just for a moment. Our minds are limited in our capacity, and yet we come to a God who is eternal. We come to a God who is um, self-sufficient in every way, full of power and great glory, whose existence spans from eternity past and will never come to an end. And so, Lord, inevitably, we must come before you humbly this morning. Because you're in heaven and we are on earth. You are the God who made it all. You are the creator of the whole universe. You are the creator and sustainer of the universe. You have created us. And our lives are held in your hand, every heartbeat, every breath. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning that in your great love and compassion to the world, you give us good air to breathe. You give us food and drink. You give us health and strength. You give us joy and happiness. And though weeping may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. Lord, thank you for your amazing compassion towards creatures like us. And that's emphasised even more greatly when, when we look into our own hearts and see that we have a tendency to go astray from you. We have a tendency to want to be the king of our lives rather than submit to the good and gracious rule of King Jesus. And so, Lord, we, we thank you that even though we are rebellious against the living God, in mercy and great love you sent your one and only Son so that he might stand in our place, so that he might take what we deserve for our sins and take that upon himself so that we might be freed from the chains that we are bound by sin. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for the great blessing it is to know that our sins are forgiven. The great blessing it is to know that we are peace with God so that as we face him, as one day each of us will, maybe in the near future or in the distant future, we will all stand before God as our judge. And we thank you that if on that great day we can say, Jesus has stood in my place. Jesus has taken away my sin. And we are welcomed into your family. Lord, we pray that for each of us, we will have that kind of faith and trust in Jesus that we so much need. Lord, help us as we come to worship you this morning. We have your word and we are so privileged to have the Bible in our own language, freely available to us. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to understand that it is the word of God. It is the final authority from God. We need nothing more and nothing less. So as we study it this morning, as John preaches to us, as we read it together, Lord, may it come with the power that you intend it to. And Lord, help us to come underneath the authority of your word, that it will teach us, that it will bless us, that it will indeed change us, we pray. Amen. Well, let's carry on then in Exodus, and we are in chapter 15 this morning, and it's on page 57 of the Church Bible. Exodus chapter 15. 
and the children of Israel have, by a great miracle, have been delivered uh, from the hand of the Egyptians pursuing them and they are now the other side of the sea from which they've been delivered. And uh, what is appropriate now is a bit of a song, uh, some worship and some praise to God for this great deliverance and that's what we have in the first part of chapter 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, You overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a pile. The deep congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab and all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, 
For he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. We're going to sing our next hymn now and it talks about the mysterious ways of God and Paul says in the Bible who has known the mind of the Lord or who could be his counsellor, who could teach him anything? His ways are so far above us and many of the ways he works are a mystery to us. But the Bible and this hymn reassures us that through God's mysterious ways his plans are always good. His plans are always wise, always well thought through. So let's sing this together. And after, sorry, afterwards, children's talk. Uh, so do come up if you're one of those, and Josh will be leading us. Thanks, Esther.
Good morning, guys. Come on, grab a seat. Come and grab a seat. So, this morning, I would like to try doing some tongue twisters. Have you tried doing tongue twisters before? Has anyone? Yeah, got a couple of knots. Do we, do we have some tongue twisters to go up? I'm hoping that it'll appear up there. Maybe we will. Ooh, okay. So this is, a, this is a bit of a classic. Everyone knows what this is. This one is just as a picture. So what can, what can you see there? Can you want to tell what you can see? Yeah? A red lorry and a yellow lorry. So we'll try doing this one together, okay? So what we've got to say, we've got to say red lorry, yellow lorry, and you've got to say it together, and then we'll, we'll build up and go a little bit faster. So, okay. Ready? One, two, three. Red lorry, yellow lorry, and let's, let's, let's do it again. One, two, three. Red lorry, yellow lorry. Red lorry, yellow lorry. Red lorry, yellow lorry. See, some of you are dropping out. Some of, some of you stopped it. Maybe I was confusing you, but it gets harder to say when it gets faster, doesn't it? Let's go on to the next one. Oh, my goodness. This one. This one I really struggled. This one I really struggled. I, I have been practicing, to be honest. So if I had a, a wrist watch, and it was from Ireland, and I wanted to wash it, then what you'd have to say is, I wish to wash my Irish wrist watch. <laughs> that is hard to say. That is hard for me to say. Does anyone want to have a, have a go at saying this? Go on, have a go, have a go. That's very good. That's very good. Um, go on, you want to have a go as well? It's the Irish bit, isn't it? It makes it very, very hard. Well done, well done for doing that. We have got another one, I think. What, what have we got next? So if you had a, a free throw, like in football, and you had three of them, you'd say, he threw three free throws. <laughs> I've got to try so hard to say it. Who wants to have a go at this? Go on, have a go. Three, 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 three. Very good. Does anyone else want to try this one? Who's not had a go? Go on, have a go. Very good. And the faster you say it, the harder it gets. Um, have we got any more? Is that, is that the end? Aha. Oh, this one's very tricky as well. So if my name was Edward and I was editing my homework, you might say, Eddie edited it. Very hard as well. Does anyone want to try this? Go on, have a go. Wow, you can say it a lot better than I can. <laughs> But it is tricky. These, these tongue twisters, they are tricky. Um, and you can practice and get better. But sometimes you try really hard to get the right word out and the right word doesn't come out. And I think this is a bit of a good picture about what it's like for us a lot of the time. Because I think sometimes there's words that are supposed to come out of our mouths and we can't get them out. So we're supposed to say nice things, kind things, true things. And sometimes, even if we try to say nice things and kind things and true things, sometimes other words come out of our mouth, don't they? And sometimes we can be mean and we can be grumpy. Definitely sometimes those are the kind of words that come out of my mouth because it's, it's sometimes hard to say nice things. Maybe you have that school. Maybe you go to school and you think, I'm going to be really nice to all my friends today. And then maybe you say something to one of them and you think afterwards, that just wasn't very nice. The wrong words came out of my mouth. But the difference is, that's not, it's not actually your tongue getting twisted. That is our heart getting twisted. Yeah? So that, that's, what the, that's what the Bible calls sin. It's, it's a problem we have. And because of that problem, it causes 
symptoms. And one of the things is that sometimes our words come out wrong and not nice words come out. Now, the reason I'm saying this is I'm not here to say, you guys better watch your words and say nice things and don't say any naughty things. That's not what I'm here to say. That wouldn't be a terrible thing to say, but that's not what I'm here to say. I'm here to say that our words are something that show us that we need some help with our heart. They show us that we need um, Jesus. Okay, and we're going to read a, a Bible verse now, which I think is a little bit... It's, it's, it's not quite tongue twisters, but it, 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 it reminded me of this a lot. Um, so I'll read this out. If there was a person who never said anything wrong, he would be perfect. We put bits into the mouths of horses. So you know, there's, there's, there's a little metal thing that the reins are on, and if you just lift the reins a bit, then the horse stops, yeah? We put them into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. And it's the same with ships. A ship is really big, but a very small rudder controls the big ship. So the Bible's got these pictures that a small thing can control a big thing. So a little rudder at the back of the boat can steer it. And horses are massive, aren't they? Even like a little pony would be much stronger than me. If I tried pushing a pony and it didn't want to go anywhere, it would not go anywhere. But then when you get the bit, it does it. So these little things controls the big thing, like the horse or the ship. And, and with us, it's like we should be in control of our tongue. But actually, sometimes our tongue is in control of us when we can't say the right words. And that is when we need Jesus. Jesus doesn't change our words, but Jesus changes our heart. When we go to Jesus and we say that we are sorry, and he forgives us, he changes our heart, and then you will see that our words change as well. So, our words point us to the fact that we need Jesus. Let me pray for us very quickly, and then we'll finish. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us um, mouths, to speak and that, that we can say good things and we can say nice things and we can encourage people and we can make people happy with the words that we say. But Lord, we say things um, so often that aren't nice and they don't make people happy. And, and Lord, that is because we um, have a problem in our hearts. And Lord, we pray that you would help us with that. We pray that you would forgive us um, of our sin and that you would change our hearts and that that would change all of us, including... Um, our words and how we speak. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Well done. Thank you, Josh. Well, let's carry on praying, shall we? Let's pray again. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, help us as we continue to pray together Oh Lord, we, we know it's not just children that need their hearts changing. Lord, we, we constantly need the work of your Spirit to change us, to renew us. We can change our behaviour, but unless our hearts are changed, uh, that's the thing we need the most. And we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, which can do that. And we ask for that, Lord, as your people here this morning. <clears throat> Lord, we, we pray this morning for Martin, who's been at Maidstone, and uh, speaking there at the prison. Lord, we pray that that would have been a, a useful and uh, time of encouragement to those people there, perhaps some who are Christians. Lord, we ask that your word will be powerful and, and mighty in people who are, are locked up. We ask that for those in Lewis who know about the Christianity Explored course coming up in that prison, we pray that there will be a great interest 
uh, within the inmates there to, to know more about the gospel. Lord, we pray for Mark this coming week as he takes the assembly at Groombridge. Thank you for that opportunity. And we ask that you would greatly bless him and help him. We pray that he'll be able to communicate well with the children and that something of your truth in that short period of time will be like a seed uh, falling into good ground. We pray for opportunities like this to continue and to be a great blessing in our schools. Lord, we pray for the Connect group tomorrow evening and we thank you for that work down in Alderbrook. We pray that the uh, contacts with local parents and families and children uh, will be a, a great blessing to them as they again hear something of the gospel. We commit to you, Lord, the youth conference coming up here. And what excites us about that is uh, not just it being a helpful time for our own young people, but others from different churches who we can bless, who we can encourage. We pray for the guy who's speaking at that time. We pray for Mark and the YP leaders and others who are supporting and uh, preparing practically and the, the programme for that. We pray that you'd bless those, um, those arrangements to come together well, that it'll be a, a good and useful time. That we want young people who are young in the faith to be made strong to be deeply rooted in the truth of your word when they live in a world of lies around them. Lord, we pray for that. And uh, we, we, we just ask for our young people that you'll protect them from the deceitfulness of sin, the deceitfulness of this world. We pray that while they're young, while there are many years ahead of them, that you'll work in their hearts so that they will live uh, a useful life for you. Lord, don't let us, any of us waste any more of our years living for ourselves, trying to please ourselves. We have so many examples around us in the world where that just fails again and again. And Lord, those of us who know you know that we have found a joy which lasts. We have found a hope which is unbreakable. We have found a peace which is undisturbable. Oh Lord, we thank you uh, for the great blessings of being in your kingdom. And we pray that as we live our Christian lives, it will be to your glory and to your honour. And as we face the challenges of life, as much as anyone else in the world, and sometimes in a greater degree, we ask that it will, will do its work of proving and testing and strengthening our faith and our character that will be built up to give glory to you. Lord, we pray for uh, those of us who are parents. Lord, help us with the great job that we have and the important task and role that we have of setting a good example to our children, of training them up in the right way, of disciplining them in love. Oh Lord, help us because we, we're so often on a learning curve and as, as our children go from one stage of childhood to the next, we have to adjust and uh, we pray for great wisdom and great help in that. With all the strains and stresses of organising and uh, sorting out home life and school life, oh Lord, do, do give us wisdom and, and a prayerful heart 
with that, Lord, we pray. Lord, bless those of us who are busy with working life and it takes up such a a big part of our week uh, and perhaps our, our energy and our thinking and our time and we ask that you'd help us to be faithful in that, diligent, doing everything as unto the Lord. Help us if we're in a job that we're not enjoying, finding difficult, finding stressful. Help us to draw strength from you and to still be a good witness in our workplace. We pray for those who are in the later years of life, perhaps in retirement, feeling uh, the age uh, that we are and increasing weakness. Lord, help us to, to draw strength from you and, and to know your presence with us. Bless those who are lonely in that situation. Lord, comfort them, we pray, and bless them with good friendships. And Lord, for those who are your people and are elderly, what a a great prospect that is, that though our outward uh, bodies, our outward man is perishing, uh, may our inward heart and person be renewed day by day. Lord, we we pray for those who are single and uh, ask that you'll bless them Pray for them in perhaps their loneliness and struggles in life. We ask that they will know your presence with them. That there will be in their lives a great sense of purpose in serving you. Lord, make them a blessing to others too. Pray for those of us who are married and ask that you will strengthen our relationships. That you'd help us to be faithful in this unfaithful world around us. Help us to ask, does our marriage, how well does our marriage portray the love of Christ to his church? And perhaps that's a real challenge. So Lord, help us if our relationships are strained. Help us if our relationships are broken. And we are broken. And and there's almost a, a bereavement in our life and our heart. Lord, I pray for healing. Pray for strength in that situation where there needs to be mediation, where there needs to be separation, and the pain and suffering that causes. Lord, help any who are experiencing that, that you'll bless them and that you'll strengthen them in the love that comes from you. Lord, we are such a varied group of people and our needs are so different and yet everything is, is, is bound up in what you have for us. So, Lord, help us to daily draw strength from you, we pray. Lord, bless us now as we hear from your word. Help John as he preaches for us. We pray that this will be a great time of instruction and blessing for us. Amen. Well, before John preaches, we're going to sing one more song. And it's about God's greatness and his power. Ask these great questions. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven, only a holy God. Let's stand and sing.
Well, times of uh, relief, uh, times of high emotion, uh, times of, of celebration are often times with uh, music and singing, aren't they? Often times with music and singing. You think of weddings, you think of sporting triumphs and parades, you think of parties, you think of school celebrations, you even think of somebody in a good mood in the shower. And there is singing associated with relief and with high emotion. Uh, us Brits, were a bit more reserved, most of us, a bit more introverted, but perhaps there are times when you like to sing with others or on your own. Well, last week we saw one of the most uh, remarkable actions in the Bible. Uh, It wasn't just an astonishing miracle, it was that as the sea was parted by God's power, but it was also an act of huge deliverance as the sea closed up on the enemies facing the Egyptians and stopped them from catching the Egyptians. And we're now on the the far side, the far shore, if you like, of the Red Sea. And it's time for a song. In fact, it's time for two songs. I've called it Sweet Words, or this part of it, Sweet Words. It's mainly to to link in with um, the second part of the message. Uh, We'll come to that at at the end, more briefly. Um, There's a second part of this chapter which um, it seems a a luxury to spend a whole message on it but it was too good to miss out so I've sort of brought them together um, as a single message this morning and to link it in with that I've called this first part sweet words because later on in the Bible praise is considered to be a sweet thing Uh, sweet words refreshing pure Uh, lovely stuff that comes out of the tap. It's in the passage just after what Josh was talking about in James chapter 3, where it talks about then fresh water, that praise is like fresh, refreshing water. Good words are, as opposed to the sort of gunk that you sometimes get out of your tap when there's roadworks just up, up the way. No, you want sweet words. Well, sadly, we sometimes get bad words, gunk out of our mouth, But the Bible encourages us it should be sweet words, good words, and that includes praise to God. So we have sweet words of praise here this morning in the the main part of the chapter that we're looking at. And in fact, this is the, the first, this is the first substantial song in the Bible. This is the Bible's number one in terms of order in the Bible as we look at this song. And we could call it, we could call it Moses' baptism song choice. Moses' baptism song choice. Now when uh, we have believers here uh, being baptised, you've perhaps seen that happen, uh, we normally ask them for a song choice as part of the service And we get some great choices as they think of what's special to them about what God has done in their lives and they want to reflect that with a a song which just encapsulates it. Perhaps you can think back to what your choice was if you had one when you were baptised. 
Or maybe you've been thinking about what it would be if you were baptised, what song would you like to have chosen? 1 Corinthians 10 compares the Red Sea experience that Israel went through, which has been looking at, to baptism. It says there in verses 1 and 2, all passed through the sea and all were baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So they were saved by God through the Passover, through the Red Sea, and it's as if God had now given that community a new life, the other side of the water, and they were going forwards. And at that point, Moses chooses some words to sing to reflect how he feels at that stage. A bit like a Christian at the start of new life, at his baptism, her baptism, picking a song to reflect how they feel. So here we have Moses' words, a baptism song, if you like. And in fact, we have two songs. We have two songs. We, it's as if we have a men's song and we have a woman's song. Because in verse 20, Miriam, as Moses' sister, and her buddies sing a similar thing together, like an echo, like a chorus, really. And they do so with, with lots of enthusiasm and with lots of joy, with, with music and with dancing. Verse 20. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing and Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. So we have a song, or two songs really, of celebration, of salvation at the start of new life. And uh, as we look at this a bit closer this morning, I want you to... to to be thinking, have I got a song to sing? Have I got a song to sing? Have I experienced God saving me? Have I got something to shout about? Be, be thinking along those lines as we go through. Well, there's been a bit of a long weaving introduction, but I hope it's sort of brought us together as we look at the, the sweet words, these words of praise of Moses and then more briefly of his sister. And as we do so, we're going to notice uh, uh, three of the perspectives in, in the songs, three of the focus, the three of the directions in the songs. I want you to notice that it looks upwards. It looks upwards. The song of Moses, the first 18 verses, Exodus 15, looks upwards. And this is the most important. This is the most important. It is described at the outset, a song to the Lord, verse 1. Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. Before you even get into the words, it's song to the Lord. Some of us enjoy singing. Some of us enjoy singing together. That's good. That's part of it, to encourage one another with what we sing. 
But at its heart, singing is, is primarily, foremost, to the Lord. Ephesians 1 verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And his first note, Moses, and Miriam's first note is, I will sing to the Lord. That's how it starts. Verse 1, verse 20, I will sing to the Lord. Upwardness about the song. And, and in its God-centeredness, the song describes much about God. It talks about his strength and his power. Verse 2. His power is as, what, as a warrior. Verse 3. talks about References to his right hand, his right arm, his arm of strength, which has defeated Pharaoh. Talks about his unfailing love in verse 13. Talks about the fact that he reigns, verse 18, which was uh, up on the PowerPoint before the service. But perhaps it comes out most when he directly addresses God. Take in verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? I'll read that again, shall I? Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? He's filled with wonder and worship as he considers God, as he considers God's incomparable greatness and glory and holiness. And you know, it's good when our singing takes us to that point. When we are stirred up with a sense of God's incomparable glory and holiness and power and love. You sense that sometimes as you sing. That, that upwards movement of your heart. Oh, you notice Fred pops out to the loo during the song. You see Charlotte and think you've got to catch her afterwards. We're so pleased to have the children here and often they're shuffling on the end of the pew. There's a nice voice behind you. You wish you had a voice like theirs. Ah, oh, these different things are going on. But in amongst it all, is there a, I want to express these words about God. I want to echo this truth that I'm singing. I'm taken up with the Lord. There's an upwards direction. Surprisingly, personal as well in his upwards direction. Verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song, and has become my salvation. He, he's part of this, and the Israelites, as they sang it, they felt part of it in a, in a personal way. They had a personal relationship with God. They felt personally saved by God, and they wanted to express it. 
So they were thinking of upwards, but in an individual way. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. Well, it's great when that occurs. And it often does in our songs, doesn't it? O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder, the Lord's my shepherd, we'll sing at the end, my Jesus, my Saviour, you've got a, a personal response in your heart to God. That's the spirit of the song of Moses. It looks upwards. It looks backwards. It looks backwards. The song is, is very aware, isn't it, of what God has done. That God is a God who works and it celebrates what's just happened at the, the Red Sea. They're, they're looking back at the blue expanse and thinking, well, well, we were the other side of that and we've come through that and we're safe and we're okay. They thought of God's work. They'd just seen and experienced. They were still probably in the sense of the aftershock of what they'd been through. They'd been saved. But don't you find it a little surprising? I guess you have if you've had a look at this song. Don't you find it a little surprising how much it focuses on the Egyptians? You'd like to sing verse 1, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. But then you want to whisper, the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. You want to to belt out verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God and I will exalt him. But you want to mumble verses 4 and 5, Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea, the floods covered them, they went down into the depths like a stone. You think, Moses, you're, 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 you're safe, never mind the Egyptians, don't be so preoccupied with the Egyptians, focus on your own deliverance. There is a triumph here over the enemies. There is a judging of those who were opposed to God. And normally God's acts of salvation do have this as the other side of the coin. A, a, a triumphing over enemies, a, a judging of opposition. It, it's the case through the Bible. And, and it was integral with their, with their deliverance. All the while the Egyptians were in in full force and in hot pursuit. They were in danger of being demolished as a people group. They were being captured and taken back to slavery or worse. But now, Pharaoh's crack troops, Pharaoh's military advantage, his chariots are finished. He'd have to head back home. He'd have to build up a new army and by, by then the the Israelites will be well gone the other side of the Red Sea. They're finished. The enemies are destroyed. The boasting enemies of God are destroyed. And it's a theme in the song as he looks backwards. Safety, triumph. 
I don't know if this helps. It might not help. It might not help you. Perhaps it does a bit. I know some of us are a bit squeamish, so we might not like this illustration. Other of you love your air rifles, so it might be a, an illustration up your street. I don't do many up your street, but here's one for you. Um, you imagine you're, you're walking down a, a long drive of a friend. They've got a, a country home, and uh, you see a dead fox in the grass. And it's been shot. Uh, died instantly, there it is in the grass, and you feel a little bit sorry for the animal, uh, you quite like animals, and uh, you know, they've got nice coats, haven't they, foxes, a sort of reddy brown coat, so you feel quite sorry for this animal as you walk past. And then you go towards the house, and you see the, the chicken run, if you like, or chicken pen, on the left, and it's filled with egg-producing chickens, and uh, the chickens are actually loved by, uh, by the family of your friend. In fact, they're pets. In fact, they've all got names. You can count the different names of the different chickens in the pen. And you realise that the fox that was shot was on his way into leaping into the pen to, to ransack the lot of them. And you then hear that the fox did it a month ago to the previous lot of chickens that the family had. He, he got in and uh, he bit the head off the lot of them and he didn't even eat them, he didn't even take them, he just killed them. And you find out that he's done that twice before. And you leave your friend's house, glad that the pet chickens are safe, no longer under threat, and you're not quite so sorry for the fox on the way out, are you? In fact, you kick a little dirt over him to serve him right for what he's done in the past. I don't know if it helps a bit of what's happening here. Pharaoh and the Egyptians have been the enemies of God. They'd harassed them, they'd opposed them, they'd murdered their babies, they'd ignored all the warnings that God had given and I know there's a massive place in the Bible, comes out wonderfully in the New Testament for loving enemies and that has its place and its teaching and comes in but here there is the sense of relief to be free and to have the threats dealt with. And that's a perspective he has as he looks backwards, the triumph over the enemies. And that doesn't totally leave us, you know, in the New Testament when we think of what Jesus did on the cross and at the empty tomb, Jesus was dealing with our enemies. He was dealing with our sin. He was dealing with Satan and the spiritual powers. He was dealing with death itself. And we, we caught a sniff of that, if you like, last week when we moved on to 1 Corinthians 15 and Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The triumph we have through the resurrection. And we see it also in relation to the cross in Colossians 2. Here's verses 14 and 15. Jesus on the cross, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, 
he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus at the cross and at the tomb was triumphing over our very real and threatening and fearsome enemies and dealing with them and destroying them. And we can feel now a sense of, I am safe because of what God has done, the cross at the empty tomb, to destroy or to put the, the sort of, to, to put the, the lethal bullet in the enemies which hound me. In fact, the Song of Moses doesn't even get left behind when we get to the New Testament. In the last book of the Bible, at a point when all the opposers of God are being judged and dealt with, then with musical accompaniment, in Revelation 15 and verse 3, you get, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So these, perhaps it seems strange to talk about sweet words in that way, but the sweet words of praise, enjoying what God has done, and the freedom and safety that it's given us. Upwards, backwards, you can guess the next one here. Forwards. It looks forwards, doesn't it? Thinks of what God has done for them at the Red Sea, but it gives them confidence as they head towards the the promised land, and it comes out in the song. You see from sort of verse 12 onwards, the sights are are lifted towards God leading them and guiding them. And and different geographical places are mentioned and their reaction en route to the promised land. You get to verse 17 where it says, You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode the sanctuary, O Lord, which you, your hands have established. God's rescuing in the, in the past, within the song, gives confidence for the, the future. What Jesus has done for us and God's actions in sending Jesus in the past gives us confidence for the future. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you're believers you know that your future is secure because of what God has done for you. And that's worth singing about, isn't it? That's worth singing about. And our songs often end up with a a future confidence. Think of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And then it finishes, 
The Lord has promised good to me, his word my hope secures, he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Think of others that have that sort of past to future. His love in times past forbids me to think he'll leave me at last in trouble to sink. We praise him for all that is past and we trust him for all that's to come. So there's that forward-looking aspect of the song as well. So I'll just come back into this section. Have you got something to sing about? You know something about God and his saving and his rescuing. You know it in a personal way, in a way which gives you confidence for the future, which stirs up a sense of joy and delight to singing. Well then you're, you're in tune with the spirit of the song of Moses. Well, as we draw towards the end, there's the episode I couldn't leave out, which we call Sweet Water. So, after the highs of the Red Sea experience and the sort of beach singing, the coastal singing that we've just looked at, just three days later and they have a, a bitter experience. A bitter experience. They're thirsty and they come to a place where the water is bad, salty, polluted, dirty. You can imagine they see it, they ha- they have, their supplies are running low, you can imagine they delve in, they scoop up the water and blah! You can't drink this stuff. It's no good. There's nothing here for us to refresh us. They call the place Mara, which means bitter. Anyone starting a Bible study in Ruth on Wednesday might just want to log that word and think about it in chapter 1 of Ruth. The people descend so quickly from praise to grumbling. Three days. Praise on Sunday, grumbling on Wednesday. You know the experience. Except it doesn't always take three days for us to get there, does it? Uh, we pick up the, the grumbling theme in the next week or two. Uh, so, I just here want to mainly notice what God does about the situation in verse 25. Moses cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Fit, pleasant, sometimes translated, but sweet is a good translation. God in his kindness turned what was bitter to sweet. And there's a case of, hey everyone, come on, it's okay now. Have some, drink some, bring your animals. This is the best water I've ever tasted. 
God has turned what was bitter sweet. I think it's a lovely action. I was on holiday several years ago and there was a, a, a sermon on this passage. It was actually Amanda's brother-in-law was preaching down in Minehead in Somerset, but it was, it was really special, it was lovely. God turns bitter things sweet. It's a great theme, stay with me. Things improve for them. God reassures them of his protection. He is their healer. He's not going to subject them when they're in the pathway of obedience to any of the plagues of Egypt. They come to Palm Springs. Well, not the city in California, but something that could be called Palm Springs because there's lots of palms there and there's lots of springs there. It's a place called Elim, which is a lovely place to be. But notice what what transformed the bitter thing into the sweet thing back there in Mara. It was a piece of wood. It was a log, it was a tree, if you like. Is it too fanciful for us to see a pointer to the cross here? Through the cross, Jesus dying instead of others, our bitter experiences of conviction turn into the sweetness of forgiveness. Our bitter experiences of suffering are sweetened with gospel comfort. Even the bitter pill of death is sweetened with the wonderful hope of glory through the cross. The log, the wood, in the water, turned bitter things sweet. Well, just a a little feature then of that episode, which was a bit too good to leave. So this morning we have sweet words of praise, we have, if you like, sweet water of grace. Um, The journey now continues, The, the grumbling continues, God's remarkable provision continues, as hopefully we shall pick up next week. Well, at the end of uh, a passage mainly involving a song, we've got two songs to finish. Um, The first one is My Jesus, My Saviour. We're going to sing that one through twice. It reflects something of the things that we've been looking at. And then after that, we've got Tell Out My Soul. I know we have Tell Out My Soul a fair bit through Exodus, but it it just brings out actually quite a lot of the things that we're looking at. And that sense as well of God humbling and subduing his enemies. So we're seeing through the four verses of that song as well. Thank you.
The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. Amen.